Charles Woodson, Desmond Howard, Denard Robinson, Timonga Bianca Batuka, from Yost to Arbaugh, passed down from generation to generation, Michigan football has stood the test of time. What's that feeling you get when you catch your first glimpse of the big house? When you hear, and take the field. When you see the team emerge from the tunnel, sprint across the field, and touch that famed M-Go Blue banner. Saturdays in the fall, tailgates with friends and family, favorite players, favorite teams, and unforgettable moments. A lifetime of memories. College football in 2020 may be unique, but it has arrived at the corner of Stadium and Main, which is where you can find Michael Spath and Justin Rowe sharing their analysis, their stories, and their emotions about this year's Wolverine. This is the Stadium and Main podcast. Presented by Kapnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers. Welcome to the Stadium and Main Podcast. I am Justin Rowe, joined by my co-host, Michael Fath, and we have a special guest uh, with us today, a senior at the University of Michigan and one of Michael's former class, or, uh, students in class, uh, Maddie Muschamp. Maddie, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Good. Thank you for joining us. It is uh, Monday, February 22nd, and we just talked about how great this weekend was. And there was one or two specific events that happened uh, this weekend that made it so great. A, a Michigan basketball sweep over Ohio State for the Wolverines. Uh, so Michigan men's and women's basketball both uh, beat the Buckeyes yesterday, which was fantastic. Uh, Michigan, the men's team had an unbelievable win. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but that was one of the better college basketball games I've seen all season. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, Justin, it was, uh, it was thrilling. It was, I mean, and it is, I know I talk about this a lot, like how, you know, if your weekend, if your week is determined by a sporting event, like, you know, maybe that's not the, Maybe that shouldn't be like the highlight of your life, but um, how much better do you feel about uh, about everything right now coming in on a Monday morning uh, after uh, such a great victory over Ohio State? And I mean, as you said, I mean, arguably, you know, the best basketball game in Cal- across the country this year, if you think about it. I mean, like we, there were so many people uh, from a national perspective that were commenting on this game. Uh, and, and just everyone was enjoying it. And it was back and forth. I mean, I don't know how many lead changes ended up finishing with. I think it was probably like, you know, 21 or 22 times where the, where the outcome, the, where the leader changed. And, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the Michigan kind of pulled away at the end like we've seen them do consistently. And I, I was talking, I was watching the game with my father-in-law, and it was great to watch. I mean, I, he joked that it was the first time he had seen me in, I think, four years that my wife and I have been together. So the first time in four years that he's seen me be a fan because I've always kind of worn the journalist hat and it's taken me some time to completely shake off the rust. And I was like jumping up off the couch and I was screaming and I was <laughs> yelling at the officiating and I was pumping my fist. And when, goodness, when it looked like Michigan was in clear control, with they're up by like eight points with about a minute to go. I mean, I was actually, I started pouring myself a glass of uh, scotch. Like I was ready <laughs> for the celebration. And then it turned out, you know, the way that the foul situation, I mean, Michigan made their free throws down the stretch, but uh, Ohio State hit a couple of threes. And I'm just like, come on, like, let's just get this to zero, zero, zero so we can celebrate. So uh, it was an awesome game. And, and certainly we're going to talk a ton about it here. But, but Maddie, I mean, for you as a, as a senior at Michigan, and, and she, is, she is one of my former students from last term, uh, one of my best students, an A student who has a, uh, aspirations to be in sports media. Um, I've seen her demo tape and I thought, Hey, we'll bring her on, uh, give her some, give her an opportunity here and some experience. And, and so Maddie, what was that game like for you um, as a, as a Michigan student and, and certainly someone who your life has been turned upside down this year. Uh, so I think, you know, being able to just be a fan has got to feel pretty good. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, I'm in Florida right now. So I was at the little tiki bar watching the game, you know, with my little <laughs> notebook and rest of my family. 
we sat next to a couple of Ohio State fans. So it was, you know, a nice little banter back and forth that you would normally get in the stadium, but we don't really get that anymore. And especially too, like I, my freshman year, we went to the national championship and got smoked by Villanova. So it's nice to hopefully finish this off on a good note here. Maddie, were you, I was just going to say, are you able to be the fan a little bit or have you had to be, uh, you know, the, the, the journalist that Mike was saying that he's always had to be too? Uh, It's pretty nice because I work for Wolf TV. So we're allowed Mm -hmm. to be a little bit biased there, I think. Um, And I mean, especially too, if I'm just down in Florida taking notes, there's no really need for me to be unbiased um but it was nice to kind of let loose a little bit definitely go ahead well, and, and justin and justin i mean you know what what maddie said there about how you know her freshman year they, they lost to villanova and and now the way that they're kind of playing right now i mean I think one of the big questions coming to this game and certainly coming off of the, the three-week pause and then, you know, even you and I have talked about it, even throughout the year, it, it doesn't seem like Michigan has maybe nationally gotten the same respect uh, or has at least gotten, gotten talked about the same way that other top-tier programs have. And, I mean, even, you know, go back to that Dan Dockage game a couple of weeks ago and they, they lost their first one and he's like, everybody's going to be questioning uh, – you know, Michigan, everybody's going to be questioning Michigan. And you and I were like, screw this dude. Like, what is he talking about? Like, at that point, they were 9-0 and or 10-0. and So they go out there, they go on the road. They beat number four Ohio State. They beat one of the most efficient offenses in college basketball. They beat a team that was super hot coming into this game. They beat a team that, um, you know, by all, by all looks of it, is also a Final Four contender. I mean, how much did that win yesterday do for both Michigan's uh, national brands do for their seeding uh, and just do for, for their chances to, to really make something special this season. Yeah. Well, I think I agree with you. They weren't getting the recognition that they, that they should have. I mean, obviously they're ranked third in the nation, so they're getting some recognition, but I think that people still, especially after the three week pause and they hadn't technically played uh, a top 15 opponent, uh, you know, they played Wisconsin when they were ranked ninth, but now Wisconsin has dropped out of, that uh, top 20, I believe. Um, but yeah, I, this was the win that they needed and they came out and it, they should be in the talks with Baylor and Gonzaga. I don't see why they shouldn't. I mean, Gonzaga blows out St. Mary's or uh, Dixie state by 35. Great. That's all good and stuff. But, and, and obviously Gonzaga has a great resume at the beginning of the year when they played Kansas and some other, uh, they played, they beat Iowa as well, but I don't see why you don't have Michigan up there in that same conversation as well. This was an unbelievable game where not only did they go into Columbus against a rival uh, and, and go and beat them, but they played an incredibly efficient game to keep up with that efficient offense of Ohio state as well. Um, I think they were what 10 of 13 at the half uh, from three uh, Michigan was. So it was an unbelievable game for them and they came out and showed, yeah, we're the real deal. And they did it not, and they, what also impressed me was they actually didn't play their own game. They had to play to Ohio state's game a little bit to, to beat them. They were, like I said, efficient. They played up-tempo offense. They didn't play their defensive style uh, of game that they usually do where they lock down, they try and, uh, you know, control the game. They had to uh, run and gun a lot and it worked out well for them. I, you know, obviously they don't win this game if they don't shoot the absolute lights out. They were 47% from three, but Ohio State was 50% from three. So um, it was really impressive to watch uh, Michigan go in to Columbus, play actually Ohio State's game, and still beat them at it. Let me ask you, yeah, and I absolutely agree with you. And, I mean, you know, the way that EJ uh, Liddell Lidl played, I mean, you know, he's one of the best bigs in the country. Um you know, it'll be interesting to watch what, what type of career he has in the NBA because 6'7", 240, uh, I mean, he's going to have to play the four in the NBA. He's got a lot of athleticism. He was he was three of five from three. And what you're talking about, he was he was playing away from the basket. And so in, in that respect, Justin, he was forcing uh, Michigan in an uncomfortable defensive situation because for the most part, 
Michigan plays their, their guards extremely aggressive out on the perimeter because they know that Hunter Dickinson down low or Austin Davis down low is going to be able to bail them out. It's going to be able to do help side defense. But because Liddell was keeping uh, Dickinson further away from the basket, uh, there, and be, there was no help defense, right? And so mm-hmm. um, that's why you saw, especially in the first half, Dwayne Washington and uh, even uh, Suing and C.J. Walker, I mean, guys getting to the lane and then getting finishing at the rim. Um, and so Michigan was going to have to win this game in a different fashion than, than they have all year. And to their credit, that's absolutely what they did. Um, as you, I mean, the, the, the scoring, uh, you know, the first half was all about the three point ball, three points, uh, three pointer in the second half, they didn't hit it. Uh, but they got to the rim, they attacked and Hunter Dickinson, here was the game, Justin and Maddie that I've got to say, I mean, it's been a couple of weeks now where Hunter Dickinson just has not looked the same. He's had a couple of decent games against Rutgers, Wisconsin with double digits. And we know that he had some really good, uh, some big rebounds against Wisconsin, but he has just not been the same low post dominant guy, like really aggressive and tough. And here we saw him against Ohio state play man ball. Once again, eight of 14 from, from two point range, 22 points. He was perfect at the uh, charity stripe. Uh, You know, he had offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds. I think he finished with nine rebounds in the game. He was the MVP according to Ken Palm. I mean, this was an outstanding performance. Uh, from Hunter Dickinson and if that Hunter Dickinson continues to show up the rest of the year combined with uh, Isaiah Livers and Sean Day Brown and Mike Smith and all these guys who play in Franz Wagner Michigan's going to be very tough to beat Maddie let me ask you this question you watching the game with uh, with your family taking notes uh, hearing a a little bit from the Ohio State fans next to you what was the biggest takeaway for you uh, from that game yesterday I mean I think that going into the game obviously there were three and four, you expect a pretty close game. I feel like normally with Michigan, when it gets pretty close, you either see them pull way ahead or kind of, you know, pull back and get a little shaky. And they stayed with it the entire time. You know, it was very back and forth, getting into the last five or so minutes of the game, a couple of timeouts, lots of fouls. And I think that you never saw them let up. Even Eli Brooks's last two points uh, in a couple seconds of the game, I think this team really cares about their team and playing for each other. So I think I saw that, you know, specifically with they have a lot of bench points coming out, coming off the bench. And I think that each player, you know, we saw yesterday comes into the game and really gives it their all, you know, whether they're ahead by a couple points, falling behind, they, they never really let up. They have pretty consistent you know, game mentality throughout the entire thing. So I think we especially saw that yesterday. It was pretty close throughout the entire game. And, you know, Ohio State's a great team. It's not like they had an off day. Um, I think that was important, especially, you know, heading into March Madness and the NCAA tournament. It's important to, after the two-week pause, to see that type of team come in and that type of Michigan play. I think it was pretty pretty great to see I mean especially after that two-week pause you never really know what you're going to get yeah you certainly don't and they I mean Justin wouldn't you say like this is a better scenario than any of us really could have envisioned coming off the two-week pause I mean to be like if you if you're being 100% honest with yourself coming off that two-week pause which really was 23 days when you looked at the schedule coming up Wisconsin on the road Rutgers at home Ohio State on the road and they had a matter of a week to get that going. Didn't you kind of say to yourself, like, if they go two and one, it'd be awesome. But even if they go one and two and they're putting themselves back in position to be contenders, they're, they're, they're finding the rhythm again. Like that's all you can really ask for. Instead, they've gone three and oh, they've won two of those games on the road beating, uh, you know, per Ken Palm, the number 13 and number seven team in college basketball. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn here or, or anything, but when we did say when we did talk about them coming back, you were like, "Oh, I think they're gonna lose to uh, I can't even remember who their first game back was, but um, they they were gonna come back and struggle." I said they weren't gonna miss a beat, and so here I am, correct once again, and, um, and they but they really have it. It's kind of crazy. They had that first half that they really struggled uh, against Wisconsin. It was a Wisconsin. Uh, they, they struggled in the first half with, uh, against Wisconsin. We're down 13 at the half and then came back and dominated that second half. I think the, 
the end of that second half against Wisconsin was 40 to 20 uh, that they, they ended that game. And so now they come out like this and they really have not missed a beat. It's wild. I, I do agree with you. Um, you know, all jokes aside that it is crazy for them to come back after 23 days and just hit the ground running, be play shooting like this. I mean, shooting for almost 50% from three. The other thing that uh, blows my mind, they were 19 of 24 at the free throw line. So they're, they're shooting fantastic from the free throw line, icing games down the stretch on the road. Something that, to be honest with you, again, I'm not bashing Beeline. John Beeline is one of my favorite people on this planet. But free throw shooting was definitely an issue under John Beeline, and it is not under Juwan Howard. I'm probably going to jinx that for the rest of the year now. But it, it's really been impressive to watch. And, and something, Maddie, that you touched on too, that bench scoring. I mean, it was really incredible. We've talked about Shondi Brown all year long and how important he is to this team, but him coming off the bench, hitting three of four threes, uh, 15 points, uh, you know, he went six for eight from the field, hustle plays, defense. He had to steal uh, at the end of the game uh, to get it to livers. It was really just so impressive. Even you know, Austin Davis came in at the uh, at some at one point in the second half and and had a couple good buckets as well. I thought that Juwan actually had him for a few too many minutes out there. I would have liked to see Hunter go back in. Uh, but still, this bench, uh, when they come in, is so powerful for Michigan to be able to give these guys a break, but not just give them a break, but they actually give them good minutes. So uh, it's really impressive. I, I mean, the other part, too, is, if you told me that we were going to go into Ohio State and Livers would have 12 points and Franz would only have nine points, those guys are going to combine for just 21 points, I would have said, uh, we're probably not coming away with a victory, right? But Eli has a quiet 17. Hunter, almost he, he really did have a somewhat quiet 22, uh, you know, in the second half. He, he, he turned it on, obviously. But it was, impre- it was a really impressive team win, I thought, all across the board. Yeah, it, uh, it was their best game of the year um, at the time that they needed it the most. And what it said to me is that, you know, there's really no type of game that Michigan can play that they're not going to have a chance to be successful. And what it also told me is uh, all the hype is warranted about Michigan basketball this year. Uh, number three team in the country. When you look at, like, what they're capable of here in the, uh, in, in the second half of the season, uh, what they're capable of, most importantly, during tournament time, I mean, you know, again – as you said earlier, like we don't really know enough about Gonzaga because they haven't played anybody in two months. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a pretty good feel for feel for Baylor. But if if I'm when I get my bracket and I'm filling it out, I am putting Michigan all the way to the final four. And honestly, like I have a hard time not putting them in the national championship game uh, with a chance to win it all. Um, you know, uh, it, even if they have Gonzaga, even if they were to draw Gonzaga in the final four, um, I believe they can beat anybody in college basketball. Uh, that's that's how good this team is. That's how uh, balanced they are. The bench that you're talking about, that's what those guys can deliver coming off the bench. That's what Mike Smith is giving you um, as your as your fifth-year senior graduate uh, point guard. I mean, this team really is, at this point, um, as good as anybody in college hoops. And, and I won't, you know, if someone makes a case for Gonzaga, Baylor, or Illinois, like, fine. But Michigan is uh, right in that conversation, too. So, um, it's going to be really interesting. But what's going to be what's going to be fascinating to me, and I wonder what you guys think about this, is looking at now the Big Ten has filled in the schedule for Michigan and for a couple other teams. They're going to try anyway. We don't know for sure uh, because certainly, uh, you know, certainly um, there could be more COVID, you know, outbreaks and things of that nature. But when you look at Michigan right now, they've added a couple of games. They've added a game against Illinois. Uh, they've added a game against Michigan State at the end of the year. And so right now, Michigan plays this upcoming Thursday against Iowa. Then they have a day off, which is not really a day off. They play Indiana on February 27th. Then they play Tuesday, March 2nd against Illinois. March 4th, again, having one day off against Michigan State. And then they turn around and have two days before they play Michigan State again in a home and a home uh, that I've never seen on Michigan's schedule in my 20 years covering this team. And so let me ask both of you, do you like the Big Ten adding these games back in and trying to get the matchup with Illinois? Do you like the fact that they're going to play Michigan State twice? Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, Maddie, on, on what they did with Michigan's schedule here? 
I mean, I, I understand why they're putting it in. You know, obviously Ohio State has played a few more games than us. We had a couple of games postponed due to COVID outbreaks, but I, I really just don't know if it's necessary. I think it puts a lot of stress on the players, especially heading into tournament season. I mean, to have Michigan State go back to back the fourth and the seventh. I, it, it's going to be fun. I mean, it's Michigan State. that will be fun game and stuff. It's not uh, that big of a commute from Ann Arbor to East Lansing. But I think the thing that concerns me the most is that Iowa, Indiana, you know, having a, re- a one day of rest in between going to Ann Arbor to Bloomington. I mean, it's not a short, it's not a short bus trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, Iowa is a great team. We, we'll see what happens with Indiana. But I, I just think that, especially after coming off a, a two-week pause, there's no need to have all these games back to back to back to squeeze in more games before tournament season. I mean, I think that if the team was kind of shaky, may, maybe put in a couple more games to see if they're really all that. But I think that Michigan's shown that you know they can compete, especially in top five matchups. I, I just don't know if it's worth it in the end, especially, I mean, injuries is one thing, stress on the body is one thing, but especially COVID. I mean, traveling from Ann Arbor to Bloomington, Mm -hmm. Ann Arbor to East Lansing, it's going to be a lot of travel. And I just, I mean, obviously they'll be safe, but it's going to really put a damper on, I think, everyone's mood if all of a sudden there's a couple of players that can't play because of, you know, COVID uh, illnesses. And, you know, if anyone gets injured, it's going to be a bummer. So I just don't know if it's really, really necessary at this late in the season. Yeah, Justin, I, isn't I mean two two things real quick, Justin. Two things mm-hmm. I want you to comment on. First of all, isn't this a hundred percent like I mean, let's not that there was never the hypocrisy, not that there was never uh, this idea that this is this is about student athletes, but like isn't this flat out saying like we don't give a crap about the academic side? that all we're trying to do is squeeze in as many games as possible because of our television contracts and make as much money as possible, which I think is pretty stupid and ironic as they're also pushing back against name, image, and likeness right now uh, with Congress. But they're trying to get as many games in as possible. And the other thing is, doesn't this – well, I'll I'll let you weigh in, but I'll I'll have my thoughts in a second. But I just think, like, the idea that, like, hey, we still care about student athletes when we're – you know, saying, well, you're going to miss class, you're going to miss class, we're going to like put these back to back. I mean, it, it is beyond transparent uh, what the what the ultimate bottom line is here. I mean, it's it is absolutely ridiculous that they still the NCAA still trying to say that they are it's student first athlete second is utterly ridiculous at this point. Um, And that is the one thing that I think that people aren't talking about. You know, Maddie, you're definitely correct on, you know, commenting on the covid uh, possibility and the injury and the, uh, you know, them just being tired, tired legs and travel and all that stuff. Um, but the one thing that they don't talk about is, uh, you know, to finish the year, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. Yeah, these guys and girls, uh, you know, on the women's team as well, they have class. They have actual homework and exams and everything that they have to deal with, too. People forget that stuff. And um, so I think that, you know, they watch them on TV uh, twice or, or three times a week and say, yeah, you know, they think they're like uh, just the athlete. They only see the athlete side. But, yeah, these these kids actually do go to class, believe it or not, and they have homework that they're having to deal with. So, um, you know, they're instead of that that bus ride home yesterday that might have been uh, – uh, or I don't know if they flew or had a bus ride. I'm really not sure. But um, they – you know, a lot of times I know they're doing homework on that ride home. You might think that they're celebrating and everything like that, but, uh, but they're, they're doing their homework. So, yeah, I think that that has a lot to do with it as well. Um, and so I'm just – I'm wondering why. You know, I understand money is a big issue and they want to play these games, uh, you know, to get the TV revenue for the Big Ten and for the schools. But is it really necessary to play both games versus Michigan State to, to end the season? I think you would have – you know, if, you're, if your argument is, oh, you want to see them – go up against every school that was on the schedule originally. Okay. I see that. So then go with, you know, 
with one game against MSU to end the year. You know, I really don't understand them going back-to-back against MSU. And like you said earlier, I, I don't – it's probably never happened before that they have uh, ended the season back-to-back against any single team or gone back-to-back against any team at all, let alone against your one of your big rivals as well. And to, and to me, and to me, and you guys hit a lot of the um, the big points of, of this, but when I look at this, I mean, again, like this is the Big Ten trying to get as many games in as possible. Now, maybe uh, Fox, um, maybe ESPN has come to them and said, look, guys, we need, um, you know, we're paying you $200 million this year in television revenue, and we need uh, four more games. We need this Michigan-Illinois game. We need uh, Michigan-Michigan State, because if we don't get it, we're going to not, we're going to, you know, give you $160 million or $180 million instead of $200 million this year. So I can understand where, and, and, and don't for a second, don't think that's a real conversation. Like that is happening behind the scenes. The television networks are putting pressure on the big 10 to get more games scheduled. But if you're the big 10 and you're looking at this right now, you have three teams in Michigan, Ohio state and Illinois that all have legitimate chances to get a number one seed and to set themselves up to be the national champion in college basketball. You have three teams right now, and then you throw Iowa into the mix too. So four teams right now that are legit contenders. You have four teams uh, that, um, you know, everything is going right for the Big Ten. They could have they could have six, six teams probably in the Sweet 16. They could have three teams um, in the Elite Eight. They could have two teams in the Final Four. And, like, that's what this should be about, is, like, setting your teams up for the greatest success in the postseason – Instead, what you're doing is you're forcing them to play these back-to-backs that are two days two uh, days away from each other, not even two days away from each other. I mean, a, a Thursday or Tuesday to a Thursday, um, a Thursday to a Saturday. Like that is putting, as you guys just mentioned, a ton of stress on these uh, on these athletes. And if if you end up if guys get hurt, uh, if people get worn down, um, if someone gets COVID because their body is taking a toll, like aren't you going to feel completely stupid that you forced this through? and cost one of these teams a chance to be greatly successful in the NCAA postseason because you wanted, you know, one more game on schedule. And the fact that they have Michigan State back-to-back like this, like, to me, if you, I mean, you want to get that Illinois game on schedule, okay. So, you know what, play that game on, like, the March 2nd, March 3rd, and then don't play that Michigan State game until, you know, three or four days later, just make a big deal out of it. I mean, these games are going to get diminished now because they're playing back-to-back. So, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't love it. I'm not real thrilled with it, but you know, I've, the one thing I will say is every team has to do this. I mean, if you look at Illinois schedule uh, and I mentioned this to you guys earlier, they play them the 23rd, the 25th, the 27th. Um, so they have three straight games where they play, you know, one day, one, they play a game, day off, play a game, day off, play a game. Like that's, and, it, and it's easier games, Michigan state, Nebraska, but then they play Wisconsin. I mean, they're going to have tired legs too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. I think that it's it's everybody's going to have to deal with it. But not only are there tired legs, but also, you know, Maddie, you you mentioned going to Bloomington. I mean, they're going to be prepping for that game on the bus ride there. You know, think about prepping for a team and what all goes into a film session and practice. They aren't going to have practice on that game in between Iowa and Indiana. So they're going to be actually taking a look at, at the at the film and everything probably on the bus right there. Um, so it's kind of crazy how it's all how it's all panning out. Justin, as you know, uh, transitioned out of sports media and into Capnick and or well, I transitioned into insurance, uh, writing the, the insurance needs for small businesses, what we call the Main Street businesses, Main Street USA, um, also handling some uh, personal. Uh, insurance for people too. And I got to say that this last week was a lot of fun. Uh, just the different types of, ins- uh, of insurance needs that were out there. Um, writing a distillery right now. I mean, dream come true for me, uh, working on the insurance needs for a new distillery in Clawson, Michigan. Uh, you know, I, I joke with the owner all the time, as many times as he needs me to taste the merchandise, I'm happy to go over there and help him out. Uh, <laughs> I've also uh, worked with uh, a restaurant, uh, Miss Monica's Carryout in, uh, in Detroit. Uh, helped a uh, financial broker um, start his business up and get his take insurance needs taken care of. Just this past Friday, uh, we were working with a uh, marketing firm uh, to help them with their professional liability. Uh, also was talking to a former teacher of mine. 
from uh, my days at Michigan who needed uh, some help. She had bad insurance. And there's a lot of bad insurance out there. Everybody thinks like, hey, you just get to, you just want the cheapest quote, get the cheapest quote, which you end up realizing is you get the cheapest quote and then you have really bad coverage. And so if anything ever does happen to your house, ever does happen to your auto, um, you'll wake up and then you've got nothing covered. In fact, I was just talking to my in-laws about that. Uh, one of uh, Amy's uncles uh, was in an automobile accident and learned very quickly that he had a gigantic deductible, uh, $2,500 on his deductible. And he was also being sued because he hit someone and caused a little bodily injury. Uh, and he was not really covered very well for his, uh, for his auto accident because all he had done is gone online and bought himself the cheapest insurance possible. Uh, and so, you know, I know it's hard because everybody's trying to save a buck right now, uh, but you've really got to look, you know, look at what type of coverage you need to protect yourself, protect your family, protect uh, investments that you make for your businesses uh, and for your future. And that's where Captain Insurance Groups comes in. We are a broker. We do not work for an insurance company. Our goal is not to raise your premium. Our goal is simply to represent you the best and to help you figure out what is the best coverage for you and your family. You can visit uh, visit Capnick Insurance Group at capnick.com. That's K-P-N-I-C-K.com. Uh, you can email me at mspath at M-S-P-A-T-H at capnick.com. All right, so let's transition here a little bit. And first, and, and I know, you know we're, we're a little bit up against the time here, but we got to give some love to what was a really good weekend for not just uh, Michigan men's basketball, women's basketball also beat Ohio State, redeemed themselves. That was their first loss of the year. It was the game that Nas Hillman scored 50 points. Well, yesterday on Sunday, they came back and they beat Ohio State to give the Wolverines a clean sweep uh, of the Buckeye basketball program on Sunday. Hockey team also split with the Buckeyes. They had a big 6 nothing win uh, on uh, Saturday night after losing uh, on Friday. So overall, Michigan teams went 3-1 and one against uh, Ohio State this weekend, which is, uh, which is just awesome. Uh, so shout out to the women's team, to Kim Barnes Arico, uh, and her and her uh, you know Lady Wolverines, and to the men's hockey team too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was uh, it was a great weekend, great weekend for Michigan athletics here. Um, I know, Maddie, you guys at, at Wolf Sports TV, you guys are working hard to uh, to cover all these teams that are doing so well. So. Um, I know, you know, Sievert and the, uh, the uh, you know, the rest of your gang over there, they've all been working hard on videos and these updates and interviewing these teams. You guys do a great job. I, I, I did want to ask you before we transition to, uh, to some football stuff here, you know, about what you do there at Wolf Sports TV and, and what's your, what's your end goal here in the, in the sports world and the uh and and what are you what all do you do right now with wolf sports tv so i am the executive producer for the women's show wolverine women um which is kind of a neat thing started a few years ago was based on tracy wolfson's show um you know we need to talk and it, it's kind of neat we're an all women's uh sports talk show we do a lot of stuff in studio. Obviously that's on pause right now. We're trying to get back in studio due to COVID restrictions. Um, but we talk about obviously uh, Michigan athletics. We do a lot in the past year about women in sports, you know, lots of women officials, you know, um, that are paving the way for future, future women in sports, which is kind of cool. I, um, have been with Wolverine women since freshman year. Uh, shout out to Grace Boyles who got me into that. Um, she is down in Mississippi now and it's kind of neat. Um, you know, we are women run, which is great. We get a lot of mentorship through the Wolf TV program. Um, we learn a lot doing on-camera stuff, off-camera stuff. We've kind of revamped the whole show this year um, on Instagram, trying to do more member highlights to show off our team. And, you know, it's a lot of fun. It's something that I think I'm really proud of, especially nowadays, women in sports. I did the, the Galvanized boot camp with Laura Oakman, who is on uh, Fox NFL, who is, you know, just a superstar 
she mentors, she obviously is a full-time job doing uh, the NFL season. Uh, so that's over now, but you know, whenever I text her, asking for some advice, she's always there. So I think that it's a very special time for women in sports. And mm -hmm. I talked to Jennifer Hammond um, in Michael's class last semester, I did a podcast with her talking a little bit about her path into the sports media industry. So she's a buddy of mine. And I mean, she is a great reporter too. So that was kind of a neat opportunity through that. Um, you know, post-grad, I just hope that I can get some sort of job here in the industry doing anything that, you know, I can do covering any type of sport. Um, it just, if you, if you like it, you know, doing sports, I, I don't think of it as a job, you know, it's extracurricular obviously now at Michigan, but you know, post-grad, I think it will be something that if I wake up every day and I'm happy with my job covering sports, you know, talking to athletes, talking to women in sports, hopefully I don't feel like I'm working. So that's, that's the dream. Um, just got to graduate first. Graduation is <laughs> not in person. So that's a bit of a bummer, you know, mm -hmm. the dream of walking in the big house, but we're figuring mm -hmm. it out. I think we're going to have our little graduation with our house at uh, Eagle Crest. So it'll be, it'll be fun. Got to get to May and then think about a job after that. Well, Maddie, I, I will say this. So Justin, her interview with Jennifer Hammond, uh, every one of my students was required to do their own podcast for their final project in the first semester. And that's what they'll be doing again in the second semester. Her interview with Jennifer Hammond was as good of an interview as I listened to an entire semester. Um, and it's, you know, just the, the, the roadblocks and the uh, hurdles that uh, a number of female journalists have had to jump uh, and, and break through in order to get their opportunity. And um, it was rather incredible to listen to, to Jennifer Hammond talk about her story. Uh, and if you're from, you know, Metro Detroit, you recognize Hammer, her nickname, uh, as, uh, you know, she does the Fox 2. Uh, she's on Fox 2 here in Detroit. She does uh, the NFL games for the Lions. Uh, she does much more than that. And she's a great, uh, great person. And, and it was an incredible story to listen to. Um, and, and Maddie, I mean, I, I have full confidence that Maddie will be uh, someone that we see on camera um, or listen to her podcasts. Uh, in the in the future here and so she'll join us for for a couple of podcasts here coming up um, to, to weigh in on on Michigan sports basketball football hockey and the like and so let's let's transition a little bit away from the basketball team and talk some football uh, because over the weekend two big things happened for for Michigan football fans one was the official announcement of Joe Milton that he was transferring uh, and, and Justin, I know, I, I think I saw this in your blue by 90, uh, Twitter page. Um, you know, how incredible is it that Michigan came into the year last year and everyone's talking about Dylan McCaffrey versus Joe Milton, who was going to start the battle at quarterback, uh, two really good prospects, finally having Jim Harbaugh guys that were recruited, that were cultivated specifically to be success in this offense, all this. Uh, about how one of these two guys was going to be the future. One of these two guys was going to be the, the quarterback that got Michigan over the hump. And here we are one year later and Dill McCaffrey is gone and Joe Milton is gone. Like utterly incredible that this is happening um, at Michigan. And I understand everybody says like, well, it happens everywhere. This is just how college football in 2021. And certainly there's some truth to that. But to go from these two guys who are both, you know, one of them was going to be your next big thing, and both of them are out the door, and now it's all about Cade McNamara, and now it's all about J.J. McCarthy. I'm tired of it. I'm sure you're sick of it. Um, and just wondering, like, when is Michigan going to get their opportunity, if ever? And the man who was going to cultivate J.J. McCarthy, the man who was going to cultivate the quarterbacks, everything we've been told the last couple of weeks, and in fact, it even looked like, I think Michigan even made an announcement about this, is Jim Harbaugh was going to be Michigan's quarterback's coach. He was going to focus on the quarterback development. He is a quarterback whisperer. This is his position. Uh, this is all going to be about Jim in 2021, coaching quarterbacks. And then yesterday, Michigan announced that they had hired uh, another assistant coach from the Baltimore Ravens to be Michigan's quarterback's coach. Yeah, that was quite a head-scratcher, honestly, I would say, in terms of hiring. Because you, I saw, um, I can't remember who it was that posted it, that, 
Um, you add a guy to the offensive side of the ball where you didn't really have a need because, like you said, we all thought that Jim Harbaugh was going to end up being a little more hands-on and, and be the quarterback's coach. Um, but now with Brian G. Mary uh, leaving for Tennessee on the defensive side of the ball, Michigan's former uh, linebackers coach, now you only have four coaches on the defensive side of the ball. None of them have coordinator experience. Uh, and you add a guy to the to the fold on ter in terms of the uh, offensive side of the ball, a guy who is now going to coach your five-star in J.J. McCarthy, uh, and you bring him in literally two days before spring practice, and he has zero quarterbacks coaching uh, uh, experience. You know, he's been all over. I, I was looking at it yesterday. Um, he's been all over the map for the Ravens. He's been with them for 12 years. He has coached on uh, the defense, the corners, the linebackers. He's coached the running backs. He's coached the offensive line. He's been an offensive analyst, but he has not coached the quarterback. So um, very interesting, very kind of what are you doing, Jim, type of a situation here. Like, I, I'm really not sure what he's going for there. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree. You know, going back to McCaffrey and Milton, it's really frustrating because, I sat there uh, two years ago or last year thinking, all right, there's no way that all these guys don't pan out. Michigan's quarterback room should be set up for the next five years or so. So it should have been, you know, whether it was McCaffrey or Milton, they got there. They should have been figuring one of those guys out, obviously. And then you bring in uh, JJ in the, the following year and, you know, he get, is able to, to nourish and, and probably take a redshirt freshman year and be able to come in as a sophomore or a junior. Uh, and so I thought that they were going to be set up for the future in the quarterback's room. And now it turns out that none of those guys pan out. And it either has to be Cade McNamara, who he showed glimpses, but I, I'm not sure if he's going to be an unbelievable quarterback. And then so you're, you're putting a ton of pressure on J.J. McCarthy now to be the guy. Uh, so it really is, you know, I, I have to, I hate to just keep dumping on Jim Harbaugh, but it has to be said that, Hey, you're the QB whisperer. So, you know, as everybody calls him, right. Or that's what he was going, coming into Michigan. And how, how are you not making at least one of these guys pan out? How is it completely that you have really dropped the ball on every single one of these guys and neither of neither Joe Milton or Dylan McCaffrey are even on your roster at this point. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's very, I, I, it's just a head scratcher all around about, Hey, where is Michigan heading into 2021 at where are they at in terms of the quarterback situation? And, and it's not a good situation. We have no idea if it's going to be Cade McNamara, if it's going to be Dan Villari, if it's going to be JJ McCarthy, is JJ going to be game ready already as a freshman? Who knows? Um, and you don't even know much about who's going to be coaching them because Matt Weiss comes in and and he is. I I just I, I'm I'm very I'm very confused about that hire as well. So I I just don't know what their plan is going forward here in 2021. And and what's your plan going into spring practice, which now starts today? You've got a QB coach that's supposed to work with your with your QB, with your five-star quarterback and your guys that have been in the in the room with Cade and Cade McNamara and Dan Villari, spring practice starts today. He's been in the in the building. I don't even know if he's in Ann Arbor yet, honestly. So I, it's just very I, I don't understand what the what the deal is here. And, and I just don't get what the what Jim's plan is. I would love to hear the question asked to Jim. Hey, what's your plan to win 10 football games this year? I would love to, for him to just talk about, hey, what's your plan to win this year? Because it doesn't seem like he's got a plan in place, truly, for them to get prepped in this spring for uh, to be successful in the fall. I just think that Jim doesn't know what to do anymore. I mean, I feel like Joe Milton should get out while he can. I think that mm -hmm. JJ coming in, they're going to, you know, push to get him starting his sophomore year. Obviously, I would assume that he's going to redshirt his freshman year. This just seems like Jim obviously knows Matt from the Ravens. I think he was his intern uh, when he was there at Stanford. It, it, this just seems like something that's comfortable to him. Um, and it just seems like kind of a Hail Mary. I don't know if Jim really knows what next season's going to hold. I mean, they had a lot of 
players either declare for the draft or not quite pay anymore. Um, and after last season, I think that I would hope that it's some sort of rebuild, some sort of, you know, figuring something new out. But I, I just, I don't really know if this was the, the right Hail Mary. Um, it just doesn't seem like it was a great call. I mean, I don't, I don't know if necessarily Jim should be the one that is focusing on the quarterbacks. I mean, he has an entire team to coach. So I think that obviously he should be focusing on that, but I just don't know if this was a, a great hire or one that if he's going to hire him as well, that he needs to balance it out on the defensive side as well. Justin and Maddie, a couple of thoughts um, here. And, and I'll give credit to my friend and uh, Wolverine Digest uh, publisher, Brandon Brown. We were discussing this yesterday. A couple of things. One, like what happens if, if, if John Harbaugh uh, does not coach the Baltimore Ravens, like who does Jim hire this off season? Because right. it seems like he's just gone to that well over and over again. Second thing is John Harbaugh has won a Super Bowl. John Harbaugh has, um, tr- has a team that the last, you know, two years ago was the best team in the NFL and then got bounced in the playoffs. This past year got bounced in the playoffs. Like he's trying to win an NFL Super Bowl title. Like, is he going to let go of coaches that he thinks are good coaches that are going to help him win? Probably not. Like, he's going to make every effort to keep those type of coaches. Instead, here are two guys that he's just letting kind of walk without really putting up a fight. So what does that tell you about um, those two guys? And final comment on it is, you know, and, and again, Brandon and I were talking about this, but other than Mike Hart, who has had a successful track record, uh, coaching running backs in college football. Look at all these coaches hires and every single one of them is going to be essentially in their first year coaching that position. They're all wild cards. Your offensive coordinator, um, Sean Moore has never coached, has never been offensive coordinator before. He's never coached offensive line before. Ronald Bellamy, great wide receiver at Michigan, uh, high school coach, but he's a, he's, he's always been a high school coach. He's never coached in, in college football before. Now he's your wide receivers coach. Um, you know, you look at the defensive side, uh, Mike McDonald, your new defensive coordinator, has never been a defensive coordinator before. Neither has Mo Linguist, the other defensive coordinator. You pick a guy from Maryland to be your safeties coach, then you grab this guy to be your quarterbacks coach when he spent the last two years being a running backs coach. He's been a linebackers coach. He's been a cornerbacks coach. It's not like he is a quarterback guru. And this is the guy who's supposed to mentor J.J. McCarthy. And even Drew Henson, former Michigan quarterback, posted this on social media yesterday and said, how much of a, how much like thought did Jim Harbaugh actually give? How much did he spend time thinking about this is the guy who's going to nurture J.J. McCarthy over the next few years? Because that is ultimately what this is all about. And I'm just really unimpressed uh, with the coaching makeover that Jim Harbaugh has had this season. Yeah, so it really is just, it's a head scratcher. And, and for someone, somebody in Jim Harbaugh who is very desperate to win at this point, you would think that he's coaching for his job, essentially, in this year. Uh, you know, we've talked about in the past, uh, how much of a leash does Jim Harbaugh have at this point? Does he, does he have to win this year? Is, can he can he not win that many games this year and still get uh, a 2022? Um, we'll see how it goes. But I still think that it's just it's really intriguing to me, um, you know, the staff that he's putting together right now because of the, his the, the need to win now. He has to be in win now mode. So I'm just very confused that, you know, these guys, I, I, maybe they're all going to pan out. But you're taking, like you said, Maddie, earlier a little bit. It's a Hail Mary situation um, for all of these uh, coordinators, all of these assistant coaches. And for me, I'm thinking, you know, all right, if you took a Hail Mary or took a shot at one or two guys that you thought were up and comers that didn't have much experience, but you surrounded the rest of those guys with uh, a ton of experienced coaches that have been around the game and been around it uh, and know, you know, have coordinator experience, have play calling experience. Okay, I'm okay with you taking a shot at one or two of those guys. But when you're taking a shot at nearly the entire staff, that's where I have a have a little struggle. So um, do you agree with that? Or, or do you think that is there a chance that Jim Harbaugh is like, you know, is he thinking bigger or, or deeper than even we can uh, comprehend? And he actually uh, has a great going forward. I mean, I, I think that his mind works differently from – pretty much everyone I think I know. Um, like, <laughs> I never know what he's thinking. Obviously, I think that his brain works in s- strange ways. But I, I like the point that Mike made. The 
his brother John has a great football team over there in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And if if Jim's taken coaches left and right from there, I mean, I, I don't I don't know if John Harbaugh thinks that they're better fit for college football, if he thinks that, you know, they're better fit for Michigan, not necessarily with the Ravens, but it, it's a cause for concern that, I mean, that he's just given, given coaches and staff left and right to Jim. Um, and I mean, the Ravens are a great team, but I would like to see a little bit of diversity of where they, these uh, coaches and staff are coming from. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't, I hopefully Matt is a great coach. I, I wish him all the best, but it just is confusing. I think to every Michigan fan and reporter that this was, this call was made um, after, I mean, Jim kind of came out and said, Oh, I'm, I'm taking the quarterbacks under my wing. So I just, I, I don't know what he's thinking right now, but um, you know, he might have some diabolical master plan that is going to work out for next season. And we just, we won't know until that first game. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that it'll be interesting to watch what unfolds in this spring practice. You know, we don't have much access to them in spring practice, but uh, it'll be interesting what, what comes out of that, if, if anything. Uh, and then, you know, like you said, we're going to be just sitting waiting to, to see how it all pans out in the fall. Um, but before the fall comes um, in this spring, there's some other uh uh, sports going on other than spring football and that is baseball and softball uh, you know thankfully they are able to play they announced the schedule uh, just uh, uh, last week now they uh, I believe baseball and softball team uh, both announced schedules I know they've been practicing for a while um, but I believe you are covering baseball is that in softball is that true for Wolf, Wolf Sports TV yeah uh, a little bit last year I mean before the COVID happened and sports got canceled. I was all in with the baseball team. You know, I think that especially after losing to Vanderbilt in the College World Series, they had a lot of potential last year. And I thought that, you know, that season was going to be something exciting to cover. Um, You know, even in their first couple of games, they beat Vanderbilt their first game last season, which was inspiring, really exciting. Um, You know, they had a lot of great pitchers. Jordan Wagyu was the uh, only batter that was batting over 300. So that was, I mean, great. But this season, I think, is going to be a little bit more um, of a work in progress. I mean, they lost so many great players to the draft. I mean, I mean, so many. They, I think they had about eight, nine players to the draft, and they were all I think players that uh, Eric Backich looked to not only as great players, but as leaders. So, I mean, I think he's going to have to look to the seniors, to the redshirt juniors this year, get something going. I, I think that this team, obviously, after losing the College World Series to Vanderbilt last year, was really ready to work, get back to it. I mean, put Michigan back on the map for baseball. Um, but after sports got canceled, I don't, I don't really know where their mindset is um, going into this season, but I think it's going to be something exciting to cover and exciting to look at um, with quite a bare roster on the upperclassmen side. Yeah. So, I mean, this, after they had their unbelievable run uh, in 2018, 2019, I believe that was, um, you know, 2019 and then they you know last year obviously their season got cut short due to COVID so um, you know hoping that they first of all first and foremost can play all these games obviously uh, I believe they have a 44 game schedule Um, it's only conference games so they aren't playing any non-conference but still that's a lot of travel in in a few months span here uh, with 44 games across the Midwest uh, just in the Big Ten. But, um, yeah, so hopefully they can get their schedule in. But still, I think that it's going to be a tall task for them um, to continue to develop those guys and have breakout guys after, like you said, they had a lot of those guys go to the draft. I mean, that 2019 team was so fun to watch and so talented. Uh, and then they were bringing a lot of those guys back for 2020. So it was 
really gearing up for another late season run, um, hopefully for, for Michigan. And so I was really bummed to see their, their, uh, their season get canceled. Um, but, you know, I trust Eric Backage. He is one of the greatest coaches in the country. I actually sometimes wonder how long he'll be around here at Michigan, just because I think that uh, other, other teams are calling, whether it's in the SEC or even in the MLB. Um, but he has done a phenomenal job here at Michigan and being able to build these guys up and develop players that um, haven't weren't hugely recruited across the country, right? A lot of these guys are in-state guys from Portage uh, and uh, not they weren't, you know, highly touted guys. And he's been able to really take uh, do the most with the least here. Um, so have you who are some guys that we should be uh, keeping an eye out on possibly breaking out as to into being uh, some of the top players for Michigan? Um, I mean, I think the pitching staff is was really, you know, hurting when they lost a couple of their good players to the draft, but Blake, Blake, Blake Beers and Isaiah Page, uh, Blake Beers is a senior, Isaiah Page, redshirt junior. They look like they're going to be leading here um, for the next season. Isaiah Page did uh, pitch in the College World Series against Vanderbilt, and, you know, he's a great pitcher. And Blake Beers, too, I think last year they were looking at him to kind of come in and, you know, be that pitcher for them. And now they lost so many players to the draft. I think that they um, are definitely going to be relying on those two. And I mean, they have a couple of injured players last year. I know Ben Dragani um, had an injury. So I, I think that he's all healed up, should be playing too. I mean, he was his freshman year before he got injured. He was a great pitcher. They, they really looked to him as a freshman, um, as a great pitcher, but he got injured. So hopefully he'll make a full recovery this season. Um, other than that, I think Willie Weiss too, he's a junior though. A couple uh, games last season, he pitched um, pretty great games, but I think that definitely Blake Beers being a senior, he's going to have to lead that there. And Isaiah Page, redshirt junior, um, you know, especially too with that experience in the College World Series, I think they're really going to look to them. Yeah, obviously those guys have the experience. They've been to Omaha. They've been, uh, you know, playing around the Big Ten uh, here. Um, what does it look like uh, for for the Big Ten in terms of who is the uh, favorite to to win the conference? Who do, who are there? Two or three top teams that are going to be uh, uh, gearing up for for the or shooting for that championship. Uh, and where does Michigan land in terms of preseason type of rankings uh, for the Big Ten? Yeah, I mean, it's a toss-up. Obviously, last year, they didn't get to play much. Um, I think that especially, too, with Michigan being ranked so high last year um, in the preseason rankings, they, um, you know, with the season not really going the way that anyone planned last year, mm -hmm. I, I don't know if anyone really knows I mean, I think they're just kind of throwing numbers out there for the um, preseason right. rankings. But I, I think that um, Minnesota will be somewhere to look at um, with Michigan. I think that the Big Ten, I mean, it's hard because it's a lot of northern schools. I mean, obviously, Michigan is, uh, has kind of shown that, that uh, up north baseball can, can really show out. <laughs> Um, but I don't, I don't believe that any of the big 10 schools are ranked in, you know, the top 25 as they normally aren't. Um, I think that Michigan kind of showed out last year for the big 10, um, obviously the year before that, but I think that, I mean, they play Iowa, the first, first game they're playing Texas and then they play Purdue. So I think that those games just with a, a brand new team. Um, I think that those will be teams that, um, you know, they're going to have to show out against. It's the first couple games back for not even just the first season. I mean, they haven't played in, you know, almost a year. 
-hmm. which is unprecedented, obviously. Um, but I, I mean, I think that it's going to be kind of up in the air with rankings and teams. And I'm sure that other teams um, in the Big Ten have lost players to the draft as well. But now you won't see Michigan playing anyone outside of their conference. So I think that it's going to be an interesting season. I mean, a lot, last year they were playing Pepperdine, uh, Vanderbilt preseason. So I think that those types of games and that type of baseball season that we're used to is just not going to be there this year, which I think will make for an interesting an interesting season to watch, especially with the Big Ten. I mean, I think it will make for a more competitive Big Ten, um, which will be fun. I mean, I think it will be something that these players are, have been training for in the offseason, and I think they're, they're ready to go. Um, I think it'll be nice. The first uh, series against Iowa is March 6th through the 8th in Texas. Then they go to South Carolina the 12th through the 14th. I mean, get some more weather. The Ann Arbor snow, I'm sure, has been tough. I don't know if they've been able to really practice outside lately. Um, but I think it'll be nice for them to go to some warm weather, compete again with their team, get get the vibe of the roster again. Um, and I think that it will be it'll be a fun season and it'll be a different season, but I don't think that different is bad in this case. Um, I think that the College World Series, if they get to that with, you know, just conference play, I think it will be something that's that's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, for sure. You're you're down in Florida right now, enjoying the warm weather yourself, and I'm up here stuck. And we got more snow last night here uh, in Ann Arbor, so it's uh, we've got about two feet on the ground at this point. And I think I I when I left, uh, let's see, it is oh, it's 35. It, it, a heat wave came in, so it it or it uh, rose up from the teens here in Ann Arbor. So. Um, it's uh, definitely, I think, for those teams, it's tough. Uh, I know, you know, my fiance is a Michigan softball alum, uh, and she went through practice, uh, you know, here in February a lot, and they would try to get outside as much as possible, but it's tough up here in the north. So um, I think that they're probably itching to get down south and actually play some real baseball, like you said, for the first time in, in just about a year. Uh, so. Uh, that'll be fun to watch. I, there's a lot to watch this spring, you know, for, for in terms of Michigan athletics. We've got uh, Michigan baseball and softball. There are a lot of the other sports that are going on right now. Uh, Michigan volleyball, which is usually played in the fall, is playing uh, right now. Wrestling. Uh, I know the lacrosse teams are going to hopefully get started, too. Um, so a lot going on in, on top of, obviously, a fantastic Michigan men's basketball team, a fantastic Michigan women's basketball team. The hockey team's doing great. We have spring football coming up. So um, we will have plenty to talk about. That is for sure. So very excited to, to continue to talk about it. Maddie, thank you so much for, for coming on. I know Mike had to drop off there for a little bit uh, or after a little bit, but um, thank you so much. You, you have great analysis. We're, I'm very excited. I'm, I want to go listen to your uh, Jennifer Hammond uh, interview as well. Um, but very much appreciate you you coming on. Is there a spot where people can follow you on social media to check out all your all your uh, everything you're doing with Wolf Sports TV? Yeah, so um, obviously Wolf TV at Wolf TV, their Instagram, uh, Twitter. Through that, you can find Wolverine Women. You can find Wolverine Sports TV. Um, Alley Oop is the the basketball um, spot there, and then. My social media is just my first and last name. So it's just Maddie Mustin. Um, as you know, a Gen Z more active on Instagram than I am on Facebook, Twitter. <laughs> um, and I, you know, that's kind of fun. I think I, I gave up, it's Lent now. So I, I limited my screen time to an hour a day for all my social media apps. Um, I, I was going to give them up fully, but you know, you can't really do that when you're in sports media. So I think mm -hmm. that. I think that that will be um, something that will get me on the beach more, at least while I'm here. But um, yeah, you know, Wolf TV, I think is, is doing a great job. It's hard now with, I mean, sports are getting back up now, especially with all of the spring and fall sports, but I think it, it was kind of difficult um, for all sports media in the fall. And, you know, with basketball being on two week pause a couple weeks ago, I think we're just getting back into it, but 
we're excited. It's fun. Um, you know, Siebert and the team over there at Wolverine Sports TV are, you know, just a game over there. They're, I love Siebert. Great guy, smart. I go to him with everything, all my questions. So <laughs> definitely go check them out. Um, you won't be disappointed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, those are those are my guys over there as well. We uh, am, uh, on my other podcast at Blue by Ninety. Um, we work with Sievert on some videos and stuff like that. So he's he is very talented. You guys have a very talented group in general. Um, they put out fantastic content. So go follow them and check out what all the students are doing because um, these uh, these kids are are doing great stuff and they've got great dreams to. Uh, continue to work and I'm sure one day we could see you guys on ESPN or Fox Sports or FS1 or you know what CBS all those so I'm very excited for your guys future but thank you so much again for coming on uh, you can follow us at Stadium Main Pod on Twitter uh, I am at Justin Row 92 Mike is at Michael Spath ITH we will have some more podcasts coming out we'll have plenty of content to talk about like I said Spring football is now on. There's uh, hockey, baseball, softball, um, wrestling, volleyball, um, and a lot of basketball, as we talked about. So I'm very excited for to watch these teams uh, as we move forward, and we will have plenty of more podcasts coming out. So thank you for listening, and we will talk to you soon. This is the Stadium and Main Podcast, presented by Kapnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers.